everybody. My name is Eric Johnson, and I'm back here running into the fog with my brother, Derek. Hey, Derek. Hey, everybody. Derek, good to be here with you. Right on. And our guest today is Dr. Tom Tao. Hi, Tom. Hello. All right. So glad to have you with us at last. Derek, what are we up to here? What uh, what edition is this? So, Tom, great great to have you on the podcast today. We're recording episode 31. Uh, for those of you who uh, keep track at home, on episode counts. It's December 2nd of 2021. And uh, we're at like a four-month runway on these releases. So this will not get released for consumption until around the 12th of April of 2022, which is uh, great. And, you know, by then, maybe we'll have a second recording uh being discussed, right, Tom? Sure, sure. You know, this is a special day. And if you look at the calendar, 1202 and uh, 2021, and whichever way you read it, it's the same. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Tom, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, what I'd like to do is maybe just start with, you know, what you do. Obviously, you're an educator and a scholar and, um, you know, a strategist in your own right. And I'd love to, you know, just have you tell our audience and listeners uh, real briefly what it is Tom Tao does and how'd you get there? How'd you end up doing what you're doing? Well, at this moment, uh, I'm, I'm teaching uh, strategy MCI at uh, University of Delaware uh, in their business school. Uh, prior to this, I was uh, teaching at um, uh, both Georgetown and James Madison University. In Georgetown, I teach the Applied Intelligence Program, and uh, I specialize in the Competitive Intelligence and, and Organizational Design uh, course. Uh, that has been going on for about three years. Um, and it, it's still ongoing, mostly in summer and, and uh, winter uh, breaks. Uh, and prior to that, it's uh, James Madison in their uh, uh, intelligence uh, analysis programs. Uh, that was the time when I uh, really started to uh, trying to build up a competitive intelligence uh, minor or concentration. I think that's uh, one of the few programs that specialize uh, in competitive intelligence in a university setting. I think the only other one that I know of is uh, in Mercyhurst uh, at the undergraduate level and at the master level. Um, but um, uh, sadly, uh, JMU eventually wanted to go more on the national security security side. Um, so we decided to end the, the CI uh, track of it. Uh, and that's when I moved to uh, Delaware. Um, but it was, I think it's a healthy move because uh, most of the, I think it really uh, CI-oriented programs should be situated in the business per se. Um, we have um, a, a real um, lack of um, CI courses or CI programs in business school settings, both in the US and uh, internationally. I think that's a deficiency for the profession. We need to get to the business school. But we need to really build up the, the programs from ground up. Yeah, well said. And, you know, I think in terms of how we recruit talent, I mean, Aurora WDC, Derek, we must have half of our, you know, younger people here with a degree from Mercyhurst, I'm guessing, and probably a couple with some sort of encounter with JMU uh, in the at least era when you were there. Um, is that about right, Derek? Yeah, you know, we've we've certainly recruited a number of people with 
backgrounds, either from Mercyhurst or you know through Tom's uh, affiliation. I can remember having several students come to our reconverge you know conference you know over the years that had either uh, they were a JMU student or they were influenced by you somehow, Tom. You know, from an academic uh, perspective, what I love about you so much is that you you uh, you always seek to make it real to the business context in which we all you know, have to think about, right? So there's the academic world. I know you, you, you are influenced like Eric and I are with our good friend, mutual friend, Dr. Craig Fleischer, you know, in that regard, you know, but the ability to make it, draw it actionable, you know, from the theory of applied intel and then making it, you know, realistic from the real world point of view. Yeah. Um, I think for a, a CI educator, it's, it's critically important that, uh, uh, we research, we teach the theory part, but we also need to bring the real world um, relevance uh, to the classroom, to our, our students. And, and that's something that I think have been consistently uh, doing in all three programs. And students get uh, sort of exposed to consulting firms like you guys, uh, the, uh, some of the leading software like um, uh, First Light and, and Cypher and so on. Um, I, I really try to bring all those um, relevancies to the real world and to the classroom and, and get them to really think about what's really happening out there and what the, uh, the industry is really looking for, what kind of competence is, is critical here. Now, um, I'm currently working with uh, a, a, a Georgetown uh, uh, master's student uh, on a project, really looking at the competitive intelligence market uh, for uh, CI professionals. And the data source is really coming from the online job posts, coming from all different kinds of companies from all different industries, um, whether it's Boeing, whether it's uh, Lockheed Martin, whether it's uh, Deloitte. Uh, and then you start to um, track them down and starting to realize that how they um, gradually build up their CI programs, how they actually run CI programs. And they tell you a lot in those, um, uh, those uh, online um, ads, and which sometimes I think it's, it's too much probably about what they're actually doing. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing is this data source is really coming from a company called Burning Glass. They use web crawlers to go through all the major online job post sites like indeed.com, LinkedIn, uh, monster.com, and so on. So they basically have the population of the, the entire field. So previously, when we are conducting surveys and we're conducting some, um, some research, it's basically sampling. And, and, and survey is really notorious for low response. Uh, and so we end up with very small response uh, or sample size. But for this sort of a big, big data approach, you get to yield um, a lot of uh, job posts. And uh, we look at the data from uh, sort of two, two angles or two way of looking at it. One is much more conservative or much more restrictive that you have to have competitive intelligence in your job title. So the firm will openly state that this is a job for competitive intelligence analyst, competitive intelligence manager, competitive intelligence director. Uh, there is no, no um, um, 
any blur in it. And the other uh, approach to look at this is to find uh, competitive intelligence as a keyword uh, in their job description. And that gets you to be to, 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 to see a much bigger population. So we, we look at the, the past 10 years of job posts online. Uh, for the uh, sort of the, the, the CI professionals with the explicit title in it, we found about 9,000 posts, so not 9,000 jobs. And uh, uh, for the uh, related or CI as a keyword, we found about 300,000. So that includes uh, a market researcher, uh, uh, even a salespeople and uh, product manager and so on, as long as they, their job description has competitive intelligence uh, as, as a, a required function. Um, so I think what we can get from that data set is really uh, showing that this profession or this, this um, uh, the need coming from the market for people that offers insight um, uh, offers understanding of the environment uh, has been growing steadily for the past 10 years. Now, we've been saying that for, for a long time, but with sort of um, little um, evidence, right? And uh, But now I think we have really clear, well laid out, solid evidence that this is the case. And I can actually show, show you the specific numbers each year uh, that is that is the job opening for CI field, um, and uh, they also uh, with this data you can see the uh, the skill set they're looking for, um, the specific tool that is being mentioned and covered, um, and uh, what are the new things that is being mentioned uh, in the last few years and, and not happening uh, in the in the previous uh, let's say the first five years. Uh, so it's a very fascinating data set that, that I'm looking at now. Um, probably maybe in, by April, we will be able to uh, show you a, a, a full-fledged report uh, about what's really happening there uh, with, with the job market. And wow. that, that data, I think is really um, what the market is telling us. And for us as the, as the educator, as the trainer, uh, we need to um, follow that lead, I think, to, to see uh, what other thing is really truly valued by these, these uh, uh, companies and what exactly do they do in their CI work and what kind of people uh, they're really looking for. And we need to, we are the producer of these CI talent and we need to produce our product based on these, um, these specifications. Um, and uh, this is this is really something that uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to get to the bottom of it. So if I can draw a bit of a uh, inference, maybe even a conclusion from some of your remarks there, Tom, it sounds like the market for dedicated competitive intelligence professionals, people who are specialized in doing CI-related work, is about one thirtieth or maybe a little less, uh, the size of people who want the skills to be included to do some of the insights related work that a specialist might be able to do. In other words, 9,000 versus 300,000, it sounds like it's about you know 3% or so uh, of that total addressable market. 
that is probably being ignored by those educational institutions who are only focused on the dedicated specialist. Is that a fair inference? Um, well, um, many companies or many universities actually have CI as an as a elective course uh, in, in many business schools. But it's just one course, and again, it's elective. It's not required. It's not in their core curriculum. Um, so many people are exposed with the concept, but not really uh, having the chance to to study a dedicated uh, time uh, on that. Um, but for these really specialized um, uh, programs, again, I can only say. Um, Georgetown's AI uh, Applied Intelligence Programs, uh, Mercyhurst, and uh, we used to have that uh, in JMU. Um, all the others are primarily call themselves intelligence analysis, and it's, um, it's national security oriented. Um, so from what I can see, uh, the supply of uh, CI uh, talents or CI professionals is quite uh, limited. Um, so vast majority of people who gets on the CI work is someone who has really have very little knowledge or training on CI. Uh, everything they learn is on the job uh, and it's learning by doing. Um, and, and so it there certainly is the need for um, uh, sort of um, the training institutions outside uh, the higher education, uh, like what you guys have been doing uh, in training and also like um, um, what uh, the, some other um, um, uh, CI training institutions. Uh, that's that's a definitely great, uh, I'm certain SCIP is, is part of that. It is still a, a very valuable um, uh, uh, source for, for training. So I haven't had a chance to tell you this, Tom, but one of the things that I'm working on right now here as of, you know, late, late 2021 is to develop um, a registered apprenticeship for a competitive intelligence analyst. Mm -hmm. And we're connecting it with some existing apprenticeship. Uh, what do they call them? Occupations? I think they refer to them as apprenticeship occupations. Uh, that the government actually has a big apprenticeship uh, program, the federal government's uh, apprenticeship.gov. And then all of the states have various department of workforce development related apprenticeship activities. And what this is sort of reflecting to me is the vast majority of intelligence people I've known in my, you know, 26 or seven years in the field have been on the job learners. They have been a specialist in something else. Often it's a sales and marketing role or even a finance that has turned into kind of a strategy role that eventually you know, pulled competitive intelligence into its purview or somebody coming from product marketing management innovation. Um, those are kind of the three places where I see a lot of uh, intelligence dedicated CI people later in their career coming out of. And what it strikes me is that there's this old you know, saying about how you've got to understand the business, you've got to understand the operating environment that the business is competing in, the, you know, structural constraints of legal and regulatory, all the, all this international uh, aspect of things before you can really be an effective analyst at it. And, and from that, I took away, well, why don't we train apprentices rather than, you know, degree holder 
you know, baccalaureate level or even graduate level um, analysts who can be recruited, I would much rather place an apprenticeship, uh, an apprentice into an organization that on the job learning is explicitly part of their job. And then maybe 10% of it is classroom related. And over the course of maybe a two-year technical program, they learn how to become a very efficient technician as they're learning the business. And and personally, my own hypothesis is uh, another 25 years from now, when we're all either old and gray or dead and gone, uh, the younger folks who are doing what we do will be coming out of that sort of preparation. They'll be prepared, not by getting their PhD at Pitt, you know, like you did, but by getting a technical credential that shows their employer that they know how to operate the tools. They've got uh, at least a competent level of technical operator skill, but they've got deep industry knowledge and business knowledge about the competitive dynamics in which their employer has to try and survive and grow. Is that a fair? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and if you look at uh, what, what we had uh, at, at DMU uh, and to some extent at, at Georgetown, uh, we certainly emphasize the, the technology side of things. And, and that can be done, I think, by the smart high school students these days. Uh, many of these, uh, whether it's programming, whether it's utilizing uh, CI software platforms uh, and starting to conduct uh, uh, many of these uh, uh, primary and secondary research. Uh, and many of these are definitely teachable skills um, and uh, with uh, uh, a little bit of a practice and, and uh, real world experience. Uh, they can certainly conduct a lot of those uh, research work. And if you look at the, the, the job uh, post data set, uh, out of all the things that's required by these uh, employers, the number one thing is a research skill or, or competitive analysis skill. And to me, those are a set of things that's definitely um, uh, doable for a, a good high school student. And I think in the, in the next uh, five, 10 years, um, the, the availability of data uh, is more or less online rather than, than, than uh, sort of, uh, you, have to, you have to spend a lot of time going to the primary site. So more and more data will be available online. And um, uh, many of these data are um, maybe real time, huge scale, uh, and that again requires you to have the ability to use modern software, technology, data mining uh, to really um, uh, organize, uh, seek through, and understand what's going on. Uh, and again, that part of it is definitely definitely doable by um, by some of the the, the smart uh, high school students. Tom, you said something a minute ago around many universities have an elective. And that's a really key word in this elective course on competitive intelligence. Yeah. And I, I guess my question for you is, what will it take? Um, you know, it seems like it shouldn't be elective. And that's where I'm really driving at with this question. What will it take for universities, you know, of uh, great stature? You know, I'm thinking the Stanford's, the USC's, Michigan's, Wisconsin's of the world, even some of those, I dare not refer to them in tier levels, but, you know, some that are a little less, you know, sort of standing themselves on some ivory tower. Um, what would it take for the word elective to be eliminated from that equation and to make it mandatory? What do you think? Uh, I, I think 
this uh, status is reflecting the, the status of the, the discipline itself. Uh, even though we, we think it started around 1980s, um, but CI as a field or as a discipline is still sort of at, at the earliest stage of development. Uh, the theory is not really mature as let's say the other disciplines like uh, strategy or marketing or accounting. Um, and until we, we get there, uh, it's not gonna be full-fledged everywhere in all the business schools. It being accepted as a norm or, or with full sort of legitimacy. Uh, but we, we have to start from somewhere and, and you have to uh, find some schools with some leadership with the vision of understanding where the, the future market is. And uh, uh, is there really a market for our graduate? Um, and uh, I think the Applied Intelligence Program at Georgetown really followed uh, this, this market demand. Uh, they used a burning glass uh, market uh, data uh, for uh, evaluating the potential market demand, market need. And that's how they identified that um, um, applied intelligence could be a, a interesting field. Uh, and uh, they, they've been running this program for I think four or five years at least. And the enrollment has been steady and strong. And that again proves the, 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 the need from the market that this is something that um, um, uh, sort of, this is a market you can sell. And uh, companies are really uh, snatching up all the graduates uh, from this, this program. Um, so you, you have to start from somewhere and uh, you, you, you will produce uh, better students and will be accepted by the field. And they will come back and, and tell us that we're gonna hire more uh, of these people. I think once you get into the positive feedback loop, you're starting to snowball this uh, into something big. And other schools will see this and they will say, uh, we, we gotta join this. And that's how you will start the entire, entire say, the movement. I don't want our listeners to think I'm sitting on some like high and mighty uh, viewpoint around my own education, by the way. I, I don't say what I said and set up to that uh, lovely answer, Tom, you know, to, to suggest anything other than, you know, it's going to depend, right? Yeah. Uh, I got my undergrad, I can assure you listeners from a place nobody's ever heard of. So a uh, little UW-Eau Claire, 10,000 students, you know, way up in Northern Wisconsin, right? But, you know, the, the fact is, it, it's an evolution, I think, is what you're driving at, that we're going to have to continue to watch. Yeah. And you know, I think uh, those of us that are active in environments like the Council of Competitive Intelligence Fellows see it as our responsibility, our mandate, to make sure that the, that the awareness and the integration of competitive intelligence coursework is something that is being thought about at all levels. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Yes, and, and I think this is, uh, it's very important for the entire field that uh, we start to push some universities to uh, start these programs. And we at, at the council will, will provide the support, provide uh, 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 the advocacy uh, in that. And, and uh, in the Georgetown program, I've already invited uh, um, uh, Brad uh, and uh, who else? And several others. To, to come to the, and certainly I had uh, Eric uh, to be uh, my guest speaker and, and starting to talk about um, um, the, the practice, the theory, the progress of the field 
And I remember I, I had an appointment with you in the, in the future about how do you run a CI consulting firm as a CEO. Uh, and uh, so, so let's, let's make that uh, a promise to that. Uh, For sure. I'll, I'll go after you. <laughs> And I think this is very, very important that uh, the students will get to see uh, here's the real practice and these are the people who's doing CI full time all day in and day out. And they're, they're really leading the field. Uh, I think that, that gets real for them. And, and I think uh, a lot of these uh, students, uh, when they graduate, they, they, this is where they, they want to go and this is the sort of role model they want to follow. I'm glad you mentioned the fellows, actually. And uh, for those of you who are listening to this for the first time, uh, Tom's reference there was to the Council of Competitive Intelligence Fellows, cifellows.org, uh, I believe is their website, uh, which, uh, by the way, I don't know if you heard the news, but my kid brother, Derek, here is going to be the vice president of uh, in 2022. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, congratulations, Derek. It's a great honor. Um, one I take responsibly, and uh, I'm sure we'll be tapping into the entire membership of the council, you know, to, to really make the dream work as just as we've done for, you know, decades, you know, up to this point. Well, and next year we can, we can uh, at least have a, a session about education or about training uh, of CI professionals. Uh, I remember we had a, a conference of um, uh, so-called academic meeting of competitive intelligence um, about 10 years or 12 years ago in, in Philadelphia. Uh, that was an initial attempt uh, by many of the academics spread it around all different kinds of universities uh, and, and talk about how do we uh, start to build up a, a CI curriculum. I guess the, 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 the problem was that, that we are uh, so spread out uh, that we, we lack uh, a critical mass for any university to have enough uh, faculty members to really form a program. And, and that's also why I, I kind of struggle uh, in, in, at JMU is that uh, I was the only one. Um, so I have to uh, first um, uh, sort of prove the value uh, of CI uh, uh, in that uh, intelligence analysis program. And I don't have anybody else to, to back it up. Uh, so all the courses will be designed uh, by me and uh, will be taught by me. Uh, and that certainly creates a, a challenge, uh, almost like building up a CI program in any firms. And if you're the only person, you, you got problems. Uh, it's going to be a uphill battle. And, and it was definitely uh, very, very hard. Uh, I think the only thing that, that was uh, really uh, fulfilling for me is, is uh, the students uh, that I have been with for three years uh, uh, in a row and I get to know them, get to train them, get to help them and, and see they flourish uh, in, in their professional field. That was very, very uh, rewarding to me. Um, but I hope I, I can, I can uh, uh, do more at uh, Georgetown at, at uh, Delaware. Is it because, and you know, this has sort of dawned on me, I, I was thinking back to one of the guests that we had on a few months ago, uh, our good friend Joe Goldberg, uh, a fellow fellow, uh, formerly of Motorola uh, and, and beyond. And one of the things that I recall coming up in that conversation was that competitive intelligence people, I say people rather than professional or practitioner, because I think, you know, we're all kind of cut from that same cloth, depending on whether we're in a corporate role or we're teaching or we're you know, doing consulting work, the, 
the idea of competitive intelligence people is really that we're problem solvers. You know, we we're we're versatile. We don't have a specific sort of hole that we fit in that make corporations easily slot us into that hole. You know, we're not we're square pegs, so to speak. And we don't very easily fit into the round holes that I think corporations like to put people into. And as a result, I think that makes it very difficult for us to create longevity, a body of knowledge, a uh, sense of the future and what the future of being a competitive intelligence person, as opposed to professional practitioner, et cetera, what would that mean? You know, and that's, that's something that I think has, has been a perennial problem. I don't have any answers, but I, I guess I want to ask you, Tom, is how do we recast the competitive intelligence person as really a problem solver who's got versatility and they're able to very quickly learn what the rules of the road are about the problem, apply, I think, a deep level of creativity around strategic analysis to that particular problem set, and then go ahead and deliver. You know, they can build it, make it work, and optimize it to the point where they, they can take something they have very little knowledge of, and within a very short period of time, sometimes days, you know, usually weeks, they can have not only a solution for it, but they can have it solved. You know, I think ultimately it comes down to accountability, not for CI professionals or not only for CI professionals, but also for decision makers, the CEOs. We don't have clear transparency of, of their decision-making process and we don't take them accountable or hold them accountable for all their decisions. If we truly will be able to hold them accountable for the decisions, many of them are dumb decisions. Uh, and then they will definitely look for someone who's going to give them uh, real fact-based, timely intelligence about truly what's going on. And then they will starting to make some rational decisions. Until then, we, we still will going to struggle with, with the definition of the profession and, and where we fit in the corporate structure. Uh, you see, in the, in the, in the uh, military field or, or in government, uh, we don't need to um, justify why intelligence is important um, because we have accountability right there. Uh, and if you fail the battle and if you, you got killed, you worry about that. And so you want to know what's really going on, who, who is out there, what their uh, weapons are, how they're uh, going to move and things like that. You've got to know it. And so you, you definitely need to put uh, intelligence in, in most of the, I think, army that's been number two uh, uh, priority. Number one is fighting itself. Uh, and for government agencies, it's also true. And, and we have even more um, um, accountability there. But for the corporate world, uh, many times is a, it's an umpire uh, and it's, it's running in a black box. We don't know what the CEO is thinking. We don't, we don't know what the CEO is making, what decisions uh, link to what, what um, uh, impact so they, they, they got away with all these bad decisions until the entire company really went bankrupt. Um, mm. But if we hold them accountable, if we bring transparency in their decision-making process, the need for CI will be quick. That really uh, strikes a chord with me because I think um, one of the objects that emerged during the pandemic last year was the OODA loop again. And I've never been a big fan of the OODA loop, mostly because 
it is not particularly helpful in uh, driving innovation and strategic uh, investments in a corporate setting. I, I don't personally think. Um, it's very helpful if you're in a dogfight and the other pilot is trying to shoot you out of the air before you shoot them out of the air. And you've got to make decisions and act on those decisions much, much faster than the rival in order to survive. But that's not the business world. The business world is not a dogfight. You're not trying to kill each other. You're trying to grow. You're trying to grow your corporation, its customer base, its financial you know, profit and loss statement, all of the things that go along with this, I won't say less hostile because I've seen some pretty hostile business encounters in my day, and, uh, but I will say not life and death uh, in terms of the military nature of that conflict. And maybe that's a part of CI's reputational problem. Maybe a part of it is we are not focused enough on this idea of urgency, of creating urgency and, and solving problems, I think, is, is sort of where I come back to. I come back to the company's got a million problems ahead of it, and the CEO has been given fiduciary responsibility for all of them. You know, it's, it's her or his job to make sure that the company survives all of those problems and thrives in spite of them. And in fact, I think it's an impossible task unless you have a problem solver who is primarily driven by truth, not necessarily by engineering. And that's, I think, you know, a matter of perspective. The, the idea that you've got perspective that the CEO might lack, that you can ask questions or deliver to her or him questions that they might not be asking themselves yet. That's, that's what real intelligence means is it's not the ability to answer questions. It's the ability to stop asking all of the irrelevant questions so you can ask the couple of questions that matter. So thoughts about that? Yes. Um, um, and uh, again, yeah, uh, a, a good CI professional is, is certainly um, uh, not going to be the, the, the person that's uh, uh, going to be well-liked by uh, the CEOs. Because uh, uh, you tell the truth, and many times the truth hurts, and it's definitely not uh, good news. Uh, so when they see you, they know something is probably wrong. And certainly, we we bring two sides of the uh, the issues, right? We we uh, identify threats. We certainly will identify opportunities. Uh, but but many times, uh, we we when you tell the truth, uh, it, it it it's, it's it, it hurts. Uh, and uh, uh, but but I think what we will prove our uh, value is that. Uh, um, we, we try to steer our, our company away from these real threats and, and before it really becomes a critical threat. And, uh, and we also try to identify those potential um, maybe disruptive opportunities uh, for this company, uh, again, well before it's, it's really happening. Uh, and, and if we can uh, uh, accomplish these two things, uh, we, we earn our money. Uh, we earn our, our, our position there. But again, when I looking um, at these job posts uh, over time, um, I can um, really um, see the, the mentioning of uh, CI in the job title uh, a lot more in recent years than before. Uh, and uh, that is a sign that shows the corporation is starting to gradually accept CI as a legitimate uh, function of the firm. And they're starting to build up these dedicated positions. Uh, 
uh, for uh, these professionals. Uh, now, 20 years ago, many many would say CI is is um, maybe some of the um, covert operations that you, you do under the table, uh, behind the scene, under the shadow, uh, associated with uh, all these images. But you can tell in the last uh, 10 years, uh, it, it has really uh, become a, uh, I would say, a mainstream vocabulary. And people are recognizing that this is, this is a legitimate business practice. And if you do it right, uh, it certainly is uh, going to help you. And also at the same time, uh, uh, you can do it uh, ethically and effectively at the same time. Um, and with that recognition, I think more and more firms are just gladly putting CI in the job title openly. And people are happy to apply for those positions and they will be happy to print that, those titles in, in the name card and show to anyone uh, outside uh, their firm. Um, and that again proved the entire business world has maybe recognized that this is something that's legitimate and uh, it's gonna help companies. I think the, uh, you, said, you both said a number of things there that I'd like to react to really quick. So uh, the OODA loop being a more, more like uh, it's gonna keep you alive in a dogfight. Ironically, I just watched Top Gun from 1986 again last week. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you haven't watched that movie in a little while or, or ever at all, you know, it's all about, you know, one of the taglines in there when uh, Maverick's talking to Goose is, I have a need for speed. Yeah. Exe executives in today's world have a need for speed in ways I don't think uh, they've needed, you know, uh, at that level of speed ever before, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have a need for speed, and you buy into the fact that competitive intelligence can help you accelerate. It kind of takes me back, Eric, you used to use this diagram of a, a car's operating system. And you get to the brake uh, braking system in that vehicle. Mm -hmm. And your, your provocative question to the audience inevitably was, why do vehicles have, have brakes? And everybody would, most of the group would say, to help them slow down. And the real answer is to allow them to go faster. Yep. So, you know, I think it's safe to say the three of us would align on this concept of why do companies employ competitive intelligence people and practices? It's so that they can go faster because they have a need for speed in ways that they never did before. Any reactions to that? Yes, it certainly gives you the chance to uh, first uh, foresee some of those uh, potential uh, road bumps and, and uh, through maybe simulations through scenario planning, and we will help a company to really gain some foresight uh, into the future. Uh, and that helped them to avoid many sort of major mistakes or major accidents. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, I think um, at the technical level, you give them a faster response time. Um, so you can uh, get to, uh, when you run into an unexpected uh, crisis, you will be able to respond to that with uh, faster speed and, and in the right uh, direction. Uh, I think that's very, very uh, critical uh, benefit uh, of CI to, to corporations. By the way, um, you know, we only have a few minutes left here in our time together today, Tom, but I wanted to share that the, the place where I really remember getting to know you well 
was uh, when we were doing a scenario planning and analysis exercise at, I'll try and be as vague as possible. It was a large state-owned enterprise in China, yeah, uh, if I'm that. right about that. And I will not say anything further about the industry or I'll give it away. Uh, but I do remember uh, that exercise, those couple of days together, and, and just really how awesome it was to get to know you there. And uh, that's how some of these great friendships begin, as you find uh, yourself meeting somebody in a you know strange place, strange to me anyway, uh, less strange to you, and and then realizing, wow, this is a really cool guy. I really want to get to know him. So the ability to hang out there and uh, and you know become friends, I think. Uh, and that must be like six, seven, maybe more years ago now, uh, probably more uh, than that. But I, I do remember having to crash my fever uh, on the train into Hong Kong. And for, <laughs> for, for the travelers out there, if you find yourself in the Omicron is the current variant that everybody's worried about with COVID-19, <laughs> you find yourself feverish on a train trying to cross the national border. Tylenol, baby. Uh, <laughs> crash your fever like crazy. It'll get you right past that. Uh, temperature taking gate. Uh, and man, I thought I was headed for 30 days in quarantine and it didn't work out that way. But anyway, Tom, uh, any memories of China or elsewhere? We've been all over the place yeah. together that, you, that are fond for you. Yeah, uh, well, I, I really miss uh, those those days uh, where we can travel freely uh, to to China, to Europe, to to other places, Hong Kong. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's really, uh, again, 2018, 2019, or, or years before that, was, was great years uh, for, for us um, to be able to really uh, communicate freely face-to-face -face with almost anyone we, we, we want to meet. Uh, and, and those were um, uh, great memories. And I'm looking forward to the closure of this uh, pandemic as early as possible so we can get back to uh, the track of maybe training uh, the CI professionals and, and continue to uh, preach the benefit of CI to the community. Right on. Me too, brother. Well, Derek, why don't you take us home? Any final thoughts for, uh, for Tom? And uh, why don't we, you know, end on, you know, something, uh, something that you have to say. Yeah, you bet, uh, Tom, we really didn't get a chance, and this may not be uh, one that we can linger on real long, from uh, what what brought Tom Tao into the competitive intelligence world in the first place? You know, it, it, you know if you have a short answer that might be a setup for a second episode on running into the fog with the Johnson brothers, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Sure. Uh, well, uh... Let's see, um, probably is a series of events. Uh, I would start probably with uh, the opening up of China and my dad actually uh, got on the plane to University of Minnesota as the first um, group of uh, visiting scholars from China to the US. And that certainly opens the, the, the eye for me to see from his lens uh, to see uh, America. Uh, and uh, after that, the other relevant event would be uh, 1989, the Tiananmen Square, when I was in college. Uh, that I see is a, has had a big impact on me. Uh, um, um, probably I want to do something else and I want to maybe explore the, the world uh, instead, of, in, instead of there. Uh, and the next thing would be uh, Dr. John Prescott. And he, I believe, visited uh, China 
around 1994, 95, and was um, with a few other scholars from Japan, from France, uh, really brought the concept of combatant intelligence uh, into China. And that's when I uh, get to hear about this concept. Uh, and I really got intrigued. Uh, very interesting. Uh, and uh, I, I would say this is something that uh, uh, the, uh, the business community uh, will definitely need. Uh, and it's going to benefit them uh, tremendously. And I will learn it. And I will learn it from the best. Um, so again, at the time, many of these Chinese firms are just starting to turn or transform themselves from a planned economy environment into a market economy environment. And they're starting to recognize that there's a need for computation now. And there is no guaranteed market. There is no guaranteed uh, 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 revenues anymore. You have to compete against other firms to gain market share. And that's when they started to realize that I have competitors now, I have to study them, I have to outsmart them, otherwise I won't survive. Uh, and so many of these firms are uh, starting to ask for competitive intelligence um, um, uh, support. So that was a, 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 a interesting uh, beginning uh, for my uh, sort of entry into this field. Uh, and, after that, it's uh, 20 years of uh, involvement with, with CI. Um, learned in, at, at the University of Pittsburgh and start to teach um, at CI as a module in my strategic management uh, uh, course. Uh, and uh, I think it's about 2014 or 15, I started to think about, can I build up a program uh, in a university setting? So that's when I, I started to uh, uh, get up the minor within JMU. Uh, after that, uh, at this moment, I'm thinking about uh, doing it at a business school setting at, at Delaware. That's an awesome uh, sort of teaser, you know, series of teasers <laughs> of what brought Dr. Tom Tao into the competitive intelligence field. And okay, absolutely let's, love let's it. You got episode two. Well, you got to come back because there's way more fog to run through. And, you know, just the examples that you have there and Tiananmen Square alone, you know, and the, the impact that that had on your career. I want to hear more about that. I know it's a sensitive topic and maybe one that is emotionally supercharged also, just like we all bring, you know, to these types of conversations. And um, it, it, I hope no, that it was, it was yesterday. Uh, it, it, it's, it's all the memories. I, I think it's still fresh. Uh, I bet uh, it does. I'm getting older. And, and so my short-term memory is getting bad, but the long-term memory is still there. <laughs> <laughs> the good news for our listeners, you know, the younger Johnson brother, I, I don't really see myself aging at all. I'm not sure about my brother. Um, you're not aging either. Um, <laughs> But yeah, at the same younger. time, we're all getting younger, and it's just a, a great privilege, Dr. Tao, to have you on this channel and uh, bring your wisdom to our listeners. And you know, let's do this again sometime in the near future. Okay. Eric, thank great you, talking you. with you. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate the, the time with you guys. Uh, maybe Can't wait till part two. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Derek. And thank you, audience, for running into the fog with the Joe Bros and our guest today, Dr. Tom Tao. We'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everybody.